You know, when we're in the process of feeling pain, when we feel pain, there's one thing we want to do is stop that pain, right? If it's physical, there, there's some kind of, well, it's a signal from our bodies that something is wrong, that there's a threat from outside that's causing us pain, or there's something wrong inside. There's disease that's causing us pain. And our body is telling us something has to change, and we want that pain to stop. It's true physically, but it's also true emotionally and spiritually as well, isn't it? I mean, if there's something going on in our lives that's causing us to hurt inside, could be physical pain, our own, or maybe someone we love is hurting. That makes us hurt. And so we want to stop that. Maybe there's a problem in a relationship, a problem with a parent, a child, a spouse. We want to resolve the problem so the pain goes away as well. Whatever the pain is, we want it to end. We want it to end now. But what happens when we can't make the pain go away? What happens when something that is going on in our lives that's so serious and so problematic that there's just no way to make it disappear in the blink of an eye? We know we're going to be dealing with it for a while. What do we do then? How do we handle that kind of situation? It's not pleasant. We don't want to go through it. And yet it can happen, right? Most of us have been there. So how do we deal with that internally? You know, we're in this series that we're calling Made Whole, and we're thinking about how sometimes our lives feel like they're just falling apart, like there's stuff that we cannot control, and pain may be one of those things. How can God take the pieces that are left and put them back together, maybe in a way that's just like it was before, or maybe God takes those pieces and makes something that's even more beautiful out of the brokenness? How do we allow God to do that? How does God do that? And especially when we're broken because of pain, how can God take those pieces and make something beautiful out of all that? I want us to think about that today. We're studying Romans 4 through 6. It's, I mean, it's theologically dense. It's hard to get through. And yet, if we can get through this and hear what Paul's saying, we will understand God and we'll understand the salvation that God offers in a way that's impossible if we don't look through these, these passages. So we're focusing in on this for, for, for several weeks from the beginning of this month all the way through Easter. And today, we come to Romans chapter 5. And as we come to that passage, what we find is that Paul is assuming we know what it means to be justified, okay? Now, if you don't know what it means to be justified, listen to the sermons from the past couple weeks. Maybe you weren't here or didn't have a chance to listen. That's cool. Go back on our website. You can watch those, listen to those, and you'll hear what Paul's saying. Thumbnail sketch is this. Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross, Jesus allowed all the forces of evil to empty themselves on him. All of our sin, all of the sin of humanity, all of that was on Jesus, and it poured out onto him until it killed his physical body. Okay, And because he was willing to take all of that on him on the cross, he can offer us forgiveness. He can say, you know what, I took the power of your sin at work in your life. I took it on myself, and you can be forgiven. And you can be made righteous. I know you don't feel righteous. I know you haven't acted in a righteous way, but I can make you righteous. Okay, that's what Jesus offers. If we're willing to put our faith in him, repent of our sins, and be baptized into him. Okay, that's the message of Romans 3 and 4. Now we're in Romans 5, and Paul says, because of all that, 
Let me tell you some important truths. So we pick up Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, just what we were talking about, okay? We've been made righteous. Because of that, we have peace with God our Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says, listen, you've been made righteous, and because of that you're made whole, right? And now you have access to the Father. And it's sort of like if a priest goes into the temple, like he has access to God. It's the same language. We have access to God because God's not held by one building. Okay, God is everywhere. He's not just in this building. He goes with us when we leave. We have access to God without being in a certain place, without a certain person going between us and God. We have access to God because we've been justified. All right? And he says we live in grace. It's like the the land in which we live, this gift of God of a relationship. We've been invited to live in that. Okay? So because of all that... We can boast. I say, I don't want to boast, right? Because in our culture, boasting has negative connotations, right? Boasting is when I'm overly proud. I'm telling you how great I am and how great my life is and how great my family is. Well, the word boast didn't have all those negative connotations, at least not all the time in the ancient world. Sometimes it did, but sometimes it was really just the sense I have pride in something in my life, a positive, meaningful pride in something that's happened. And what Paul is saying is not, I'm so awesome that I have a relationship with God because Paul recognized that's not the way it works. It was more, man, God's so awesome because he's paid the huge price for my sin for me And he's invited me into this relationship. And and I'm boasting in that. I'm boasting that, man, I can know the God who created the universe. And that is awesome. That's what Paul's saying. We should all boast in that, that God has called us into this relationship. And this is the life that we've been allowed to live. That's a reason to boast. But that's not where he ends. He says we boast in the glory of God But we also glory in something else. And here's where it gets a little surprising. And here's where it gets back to the pain that we experience in life. Verse 3. Paul says, Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. We glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Maybe you remember hearing this from some other translations. Hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, this would have been surprising for the early readers of this letter. I mean, they would have been reading along here in Paul talk about grace and faith and what Jesus did on the cross and all of those things and glorying and boasting in God's glory. That makes sense. But then Paul says, we glory in our sufferings. And they would have said, hang on, Paul. We don't don't glory in our suffering, right? And we're not pleased that we're in pain. And Paul's not saying to, man, you should just find pain and enjoy it. That's not his point. But when life is not like we want it to be, Paul says we glory even in that. 
Now, in the ancient world, they would not have seen it that way. Even less than we would. Because in the ancient world, they assumed if you're going through a bad time, if something is wrong in your life, well, basically, like, it's your fault. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, you assume that God or the gods are punishing you for something you did. And the worse the punishment, the worse the suffering in, the life, in your life, the worse person you must be. Great example of this. We're in Acts chapter 28. There's a men's Bible study on Monday morning, and we studied this last week. And it's a great story. At the end of Acts, Paul is on his way from Palestine to Rome because he's been arrested. He's appealed his case as a Roman citizen to Caesar himself. And so he's being taken by ship under guard. He's under the guard of a centurion all the way from Palestine across the Mediterranean to Rome. It is a harrowing trip. All kinds of bad weather. And in the end, after they're all about to starve to death, they get shipwrecked off the coast of Malta. Okay? And they have to either swim to shore or float there on pieces of the shipwreck. It's a total, total disaster. But finally, everyone on board makes it to shore. It's a terrible, messy day. So the locals sort of embrace them, build a fire to warm them and dry them off, cook food, all those things. And everyone's gathering firewood. Paul gets some wood and he places it on the fire. And just as he does, well, there's a viper that wakes up because of the heat and it bites him. And the, the islanders look on him and they're not like, man, that's bad or too bad, glad knowing you for these last five minutes, okay? This is what they say in Acts chapter 24, verse 4. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. You see, it's assumed, and Paul somehow survived the gods trying to kill him at sea, and they didn't succeed, so now they're going to do him in after he's escaped that. He must be some kind of heinous criminal for the gods to be after him that strongly. And that's sort of the way everybody thought. If something bad happened, you must have done something wrong to deserve that. So when Paul says, we glory in our sufferings, and everyone who read that would have said, I don't think so, because usually that's a sign that I've done something wrong. And Paul is saying, no. I mean, there are times when our actions have consequences that are not pleasant, right? We know that. But there are times that our suffering just happens. It is not connected to us having done something wrong. And Paul says, whatever your suffering is, you glory in it because even in our suffering, God can be at work. Because in our suffering, God can produce within us perseverance. And we've seen that, right? We go through a bad time and, and from that we get stronger. And when the same kind of thing happens, we endure it a whole lot easier. Or maybe even when something more difficult comes our way, we handle it better because of what happened before. So our suffering produces perseverance, and our perseverance, character. And the word there is really for tested character. Like we go through it, we do the right things, and it develops something within us that then we become a better person 
because of the suffering and the perseverance that grows within us. We become more of the person that God wants us to be because of what we've been through. And character, this good, tested character, produces hope. Well, how does that work? Because we recognize God is at work. We recognize that man, my, my personal momentary happiness is not what this whole world is about. That God can be at work even in my suffering. That God is looking beyond my suffering to what's next. And that God has eternal purposes that He is moving everything forward. So even if I'm suffering in the present, I'm not going to suffer forever. It's not this kind of hope that says, man, things will be better tomorrow, right? Maybe they will, and maybe they won't, right? It's not a, a hope that says, God's going to make everything easy. Because he never promised that. It's a hope that says, even in my suffering, I know God is present. And I know God is carrying me through. And it may be that God delivers me from this, hey, today, tomorrow, I don't know. But even if he doesn't, he's going to be at work eternally in me. That's the kind of hope that doesn't put us to shame. What Paul's getting at, and the basic message for us, is that hope can come from the horrible. Even, even the most horrible things that happen to us in life can lead us to hope. And Paul says at the end of that passage, the reason is because the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. Because God's Spirit is present and active in your life. Otherwise, this doesn't happen. I mean, we've seen people who go through suffering and it destroys them. That's not God's Spirit at work. Only when we depend on God's Spirit through this can hope come from the horrible. I want to finish the passage because it's a, it's a powerful passage. Paul says this beginning in verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And then verse 8, powerful verse. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We see God's love most clearly in this one central fact. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still pouring out evil, Christ took all that evil on himself. And because of that, we're made righteous. Because of that, his spirit fills our lives. And because of that, even in our suffering, we can develop perseverance and character and ultimately hope. What do we do to allow that to happen in our lives. Because again, we've seen people who've walked through suffering and it didn't end up in hope. It ended up in hopelessness. Maybe even Christians. So how do we allow God to be at work? I think we need to resolve to do two things. First of all, resolve to depend on God when things go wrong. Okay? Depend on God when things go wrong. Because I know what happens when I depend on me when things go wrong. I know how I am. I don't know how you are, but I know how I am. And when, when things are messed up in my life and I like, I'm going to gut this out on my own strength, I might gut it out 
But it's not going to lead to hope, I can tell you that. It's going to go the other way. It's only when I say I'm going to depend on God's strength. I'm going to allow Him to lead me through this. I'm going to depend on the strength that only comes from God. Is it going to result in hope? So I've got to resolve at the beginning to depend on God to lead me through it, to depend on His Spirit to be at work in me. That's what He promises here, that His Spirit is going to be at work in us. And if we allow God's Spirit to be at work in our suffering, then we can have a reason to boast in our suffering because God's going to lead us to perseverance and character and ultimately hope. Second, resolve to learn from the difficult parts of life. They're going to come. So what do you learn? Well, maybe we learn those skills of perseverance and character and hope. That's part of it. What do you learn about yourself? What do you learn about yourself in the middle of suffering? Well, you might learn where your weaknesses are, right? Like you might see, I'm, I'm not good at this because when I'm suffering, I turn to stuff that will distract me and destroy me. Substances, activities that just can tear my life up. That's a danger. That's something to learn. What can you learn about yourself when you're going through suffering? That's an important part of it. Maybe more important. What do you learn about God in the midst of suffering? What do you learn about this God who is always present with you? What do you learn about where you can turn to find God's strength? I mean, maybe in the middle of suffering, there are passages of Scripture that speak to you. And you go, and that is an anchor. That is where I need to go. When, when I'm in trouble, here's what I need to hear about God. This is how God works. He gives me the words that I need to carry me through. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's a passage like this where we hear over and over while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe we need to remind ourselves of that daily. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that God is present. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus says. What do we learn about God? Because if we learn something about God, I can guarantee you it will lead to perseverance and character and hope. Hope can come from the horrible, the very worst parts of life. And maybe you're there today. I don't know where everybody is. But maybe you're at one of those points where you're thinking, I don't really want to say this because maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't feel like it can get any worse. Let me encourage you. Don't try to gut it out. Instead, let God walk with you. Let God carry you through. Resolve now. I'm going to depend on God in this. And I'm going to let God develop perseverance in me and character. And I'm going to let Him give me hope. Let's pray together. I don't know, there's people who are hurting who hear this, this message from you. 
God, we've all got a certain amount of pain. We've all got things that are not right. God, we just ask that you would lead us down the path that leads to hope. Not just a hope that things will be great, but a hope that you can put the pieces back together and make us whole. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.